Hi, it's Yvette here. Listen, I'm just going to take a few seconds to ask you for a big favor. If you love this podcast, then hit the subscribe or the follow button if you haven't already, right now on your phone or on your computer, and leave me a five-star rating. And then leave me a review and tell me what you love about the show or what you'd like me to talk about. All this really helps to send out the message of the Positively Joy podcast to the people who need to hear it. And then finally, if you love it, then share this with everybody that you know. Throughout the time when I lost my son, his name was Jeremiah, and he was a four-pound, three-ounce, beautiful, curly, full head of hair baby boy. For the minute that I that I lost him, I, by the power of God, just chose to believe that there was a purpose in this. And I chose to hold on to the fact that scripture says God is good. Welcome to Positively Joy, where you'll find God in the everyday. Through everyday blessings, everyday happiness, and even everyday sorrow. I'm your host, Yvette Walker. Here we look for God in the commonplace, and we find his joy in the details. Listen at PositivelyJoy.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Today we talk to Connie Lawson of the podcast Weeds, Seeds, and Beautiful Things. October is Pregnancy and Infant Loss Awareness Month, and it's fitting that we have Connie on the show to share her story of infertility. Connie's story is raw and painful, but there is joy and hope at the end. However, you might want to make sure little ones are out of the room as you listen. Hi, Connie. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me, Yvette. I'm really glad to be here. Well, I'm really happy to be talking to you. Uh, You host the podcast Weeds, Seeds, and Beautiful Things, and I have to tell you that I love any intro that can mention gardening, (laughs) cannabis, and radical faith in the same sentence. (laughs) Oh, yes. I... um... I don't know. I just, that's the kind of person I am. I love bright colors and rainy days. So I am always looking for the unusual. Oh no, that's great. But what does radical faith mean to you? Like if you were to say that in a sentence, which you have, and someone asked you, well, what do you mean by that? What does that mean? It means uh, following God without any questions and regardless of what happens and regardless of what you're feeling, simply because you've come to a place in your life where you know that he's good and that knowledge is enough to take you through. That was two sentences. No, that's okay. And and I imagine that has a lot to do with, you know, what you're doing on the podcast and why you started it. So I'm going to segue into that. In your latest episode, you mentioned to us that you're recovering from a procedure Mm -hmm. um, after your infertility. Yes. Can you share that with us and then tell us why you started the podcast? Okay. So about maybe close to four and a half years ago, my husband and I, we are both previously divorced. He is now 40. I am 36. We will be married 11 years this December. So he and I came together. He had two children. We thought everything was, we were done and then get into the marriage and we start deciding what we want to do our own thing. But I had had a procedure when I was very young that had prohibited me from conceiving naturally. 
And so we went on this long two and a half year journey to try and conceive. We ended up doing IVF um, and we got pregnant with twins. And through that process, um, I was probably the happiest I've ever been in my life. When I was carrying the twins, I really felt like I had reached a point that God had kind of blessed me. I guess I felt like I was in the clear and I felt like I had, you'll hear people say like, I'm walking in God's favor. I'm walking in his, um, you know, his blessing, his protection. Mm -hmm. And you think, well, gee, they must've done something right. How can I do that? So I can get that favor too. And so I kind of had felt like this is it. I finally proved myself enough to God that he's going to, he's going to give me the desires of my heart. And he's not only doing that, but he's doing it double fold with twins. Right. then ended up getting preeclampsia at 32 weeks and being hospitalized. Mm. And we went into early labor, a month early labor with our twins. And we lost my son 16 hours after birth in a very, very traumatic way. Mm, so sorry. Yes, it was. Uh, I'm not going to lie. That was... Uh, those were the darkest days of my life. Mm. And then following that, a year later, we tried to get pregnant again and we miscarried. Mm-hmm. And a few months after that, we tried to get pregnant again and we miscarried again. Mm. So it's been a season of make or break moments. And throughout the time when I lost my son, his name was Jeremiah. And he was a four pound, three ounce, beautiful, curly, full head of hair, baby boy. For the minute that I, that I lost him, I, by the power of God, just chose to believe that there was a purpose in this. And I chose to hold on to the fact that scripture says God is good. Scripture says God is faithful, not circumstances, not Connie feels like it today. Connie got what she wanted. And through that process, one point the Lord spoke to me so clearly. And he said, Connie, you are so precious to me. He said, but your vision of comfort and protection and walking in my favor is not my vision of comfort Mm. and protection and walking in my favor. You how did it feel when you, when you heard that, how did, how did that feel? It made sense. It was like a light switch. It was one of those moments where when you're seeking God and, and you have all the emotion, you're mad, you're, you're so angry, you are red hot, you're broken. He's taken the most precious thing from you, but you're still seeking him because I'm somebody that believes you can feel emotions, good, bad, and ugly. And be seeking God. And if your heart is that of a heart that wants to know, wants to understand, how does faith and a good God match up with what's happened, then there is not judgment or condemnation from God in those seeking. It's when we seek and we're angry and we want to get at him and we don't have any intention of letting him move and speak truth to us. But when we seek God with all of our heart, our rawness, our emotion, our brokenness, then that's when his, the power of his spirit can come in and it can speak life to situations. It didn't change it. 
It didn't bring my baby back. It didn't make me pregnant again. It didn't make the two miscarriages that hadn't happened yet not happen. But it gave me a piece of God himself that I could hold on to and that was rooted somewhere so deep inside of me that it was enough to help carry me through the next season of terrible tragedy. Wow. Wow. So that was four years ago? No, the whole journey started four years ago. It'll be Mm -hmm. two years this October 2nd. Okay. Okay. So you, you hear this and it must've made you question, okay, so what is your vision? Mm -hmm. God, you know, if it's not, if it's not my vision, then what is it? That took me, that, that is a very good question because that was one of the things was, well, okay, I, I get it. You're good all this, but, but why can you at least tell me why? And that led me on another journey of coming to the hard reality that I don't get to know why, but it's, I don't have to worry about it either because I don't have to, we think that the whys are going to make it better. We think if we know why God did something, then it's going to make that some, magical thing is like, oh, well, it makes sense. Okay, well, now I can understand why my mom was shot and killed or why my sister was in a car. No, it doesn't work that way. The problem mm-hmm. isn't not knowing why or why, why not or why something happened or what could have been different. The point is coming to understand that, that when you are a follower of Christ, you just follow him regardless. Wow. You, 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 the whys are our byproducts. We don't follow him to get something. We follow him to know him. We follow him to be able to go through suffering and to come out on the other side and say, he is still good. Because if we're not, then what are we really following him for? Mm -hmm. Getting what we want? I, I, I struggle with that. I do have things that I want. But it comes back to my faith is in Jesus Christ. My faith is not in Jesus Christ if I get to keep babies. Amen. Yeah. So tell me, how does the podcast come into this situation? Because I wanted a platform where I could share my heart about issues like this, that I feel like there are a lot of believers in I don't, I I don't claim at all to have all the answers and I I don't have any degrees or anything like that. I think that is important to note. The only thing that I have is my experience and my relationship with the Lord in his hand that has walked me through life. So I don't, I want to use this as a place where I can help other people navigate hard situations that trip up their faith. And then because they can't figure it out and they feel guilty for having the feelings or guilty for struggling, then they fall away. I want people to see that your place of brokenness is the platform that God intends to use to push your relationship with him forward. If you will play your part and allow his work to be done, which his work is often painful. Yeah. Yeah. Now let's, let's, uh, let's take a step back for a minute. Uh, tell me about growing up. Who were your early influences? My early influences would be probably my mom and my grandma. Mm -hmm. I, um, I didn't have a good home life growing up. 
had some pretty rough times with my father. Um, I actually got an, uh, an autoimmune disorder when I was 11 years old. And mm-hmm. that kind of took away a majority of my childhood, adolescence, and young adult life mm-hmm. and um, got me, you know, on a pathway of, of all this medical stuff and in mental health treatment and all this stuff uh, from that autoimmune disorder. And so when I was about 28 years old, I started detoxing off of all of that. And I kind of consider it the time in my life where I learned to live. And it was an unforgiving time because I was 28 and the world had already grown up. Mm. And I was just trying to find my way and learn how to be, um, honestly, to be normal, you know, to go into social settings and do the right things. And, you know, and so that whole, my whole life has been so tainted with, loss and with things that were unfair and things that were, you know, shouldn't have happened. And and I, I don't say that for pity's sake. I say that for if anybody has a reason to be angry at God, if anybody could stand back and say, but I didn't do anything to cause this, it would be me. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that. I am saying that God is good. And I want other people to know the God that I know. Mm. In the midst of that, can you think about a time where you really learned to trust God more deeply in the midst of you growing up and then weaning yourself off of a lot of the medication and then feeling, um, to use the phrase, a moment of clarity. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Can you, can you describe it, you know, a time during that time where you, where you learn to trust God as deeply as you do now, really? I would probably have to say on one of the failed suicide attempts that I had, Mm. I was so angry, just angry, just was, I had reached a point where I've never doubted the existence of God. I've never doubted, you know, the Bible or whatever, but I reached a point where I was just like, okay, I'm done. Like, I don't, I don't want any of this anymore. I don't mm-hmm. want any of the life you've given me. I don't want to hurt anymore. I don't want to wait anymore. I don't, I don't want to do any of it. And it was just a total meltdown, a night of, of terrible, just cursing and raging and trying to end it all. It was a very serious attempt. It was not, I'm looking for attention. It's one of those things where it's only by the grace of God that I am alive. And I remember... I don't know how graphic you want me to be. So I'll be somewhat, uh, I'll be real, but I won't go into hundred percent detail. I was attempting to strangle myself. And I remember reaching the point where it was done and there was air being forced through my lungs. And I remember looking up at the ceiling and just saying, you just won't let me go. And just this presence of him, he wasn't saving me from that moment of of a terrible trauma, but he was like, his hand was there. And the next morning I was alive and it was just like, okay, well, no girl, you know, you could go jump off the Eiffel Tower right now. I am not done with you. I'm not going to let you go just because you're mad and you can't see. And it was little by little by little that he walked with me. So 
my trust is built not on something that God has given me per se, as much as it is through every facet of suffering, through every season of darkness, through every loss, through every rejection, not by taking it away from me, but by his sovereign, loving, tender, intimate hand being on my life Mm -hmm. and refusing to let me go and showing me himself. That is the foundation that my faith has been built on. Mm. You know, I don't believe in coincidences. And so I won't even say it's a coincidence, but I will say that um, this morning's gospel reading at the church service I went to was about the laborers in the field. And you talked earlier about um, when you had the twins that you felt like maybe for the first time you were in God's favor, that maybe you did something that you really pleased Mm -hmm. him and he was rewarding you. But of course, Jesus tells us through this parable that the laborer who got there in the morning and worked all day got the same money, the same salary as the one who came in in the evening, Mm -hmm. Um, that God's love is given freely and equally to everybody. Yes. So it's, it's a beautiful illustration. It's kind of in my head now as I'm listening to you. It's a beautiful illustration that he gave me this morning, um, no, knowing that I was going to talk to you tonight. <laughs> and that there is, you know, I, I, I know I think a lot of people do believe that I have to do this. I have to work harder. I have to be better for him to love me more or for him to give me the desires of my heart, as you were saying. Mm -hmm. But I liked when you said that sometimes the view, the view from above, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, the uh, 360 degree view that we can never really see and, or understand um, is his view, not ours. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And sometimes the hardship and the heartbreak means that you are in his favor. Yes. Yes. Because, okay. (laughs) Interesting. Mm -hmm. Well, all right. So today at this service, uh, I was a lector and I read, um, Paul's letter to the Philippians. Well, yeah, this is just freaking me out now. (laughs) Um, yeah. About the fact that we are blessed when we struggle for Christ. Yeah. I mean, I read that this morning and you just said that. <laughs> it, it's, it's the unwanted perspective of the Christian walk. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's hard. It's hard to live by. Like we were in the show and we're talking about it and it sounds all poetic and powerful and, but the steps to get here, you know, to do it day in and day out is where it's at. That's what strengthens you. And that's what's hard, but it's, it's in the doing that it, it's not the feeling. If you don't feel like you like God, that doesn't mean that you're doing something wrong. It means you're having a feeling. It becomes wrong when you act on it and you let that dictate what you do. And you're, because I think God doesn't, fault us for our feelings. He faults us when we default to them as the Lord of our life, when mm-hmm. they dictate what we do. And so it's the every day, the Lord, this is terrible. I can hardly get out of bed. 
but I know that you are good. Wow. So let's talk a little bit more about the podcast. Um, what have you learned? How long have you been podcasting and what have you learned from, from this time? What revelations has he given you? Okay. So I've been podcasting maybe three and a half, four months. Mm -hmm. And what have I learned? I have learned that it is not about me. I know, right? Um, I got into it and that was kind of my commitment at the beginning was, Lord, this is your show. If it reaches one person, like that is all that I need. But then you get into it and you, as a human, you struggle with numbers, uh, stats, trying to come up with good content, finding out where the end of human, um, you know, information and, and promoting yourself ends and God and his ministry begins. And so for me, it's been very humbling because I've used it as something to kind of anchor me more and more to the word of God and to prayer to keep my heart right because I feel like my message is only on point when I'm coming to to the to my crowd to my audience with a clean heart. And so God has shown me the correlation between um a good word from him and my own walk with him privately being in line. So I guess maybe it's given me a sense of accountability to not only God, but to other people, like it's real now. Like before I was like, Oh, I want to do this, but now it's like, okay, we'll do it. But you make sure that whatever you're doing, whatever you're telling people to do, you're doing. And that when I do that. He is, I just feel his spirit giving me the topics to speak about and the words to say. And so there hasn't been a lot of fear. When I feel fear when I'm podcasting, I know that there's something I need to check in my spirit. Mm, mm -hmm. And you talked about fear mm. in your last episode. Yes, yeah, I did. Yeah. I did. And, and you're very open with your audience. You know, you talked about the infertility and you talked about the procedure um, or that you had, that you mm -hmm. were, you were um, healing from. Um, and you, you, you and your husband still are seeking a child. Yes. And so despite the setbacks, what is, what, what's God telling you or what do you, what is the spirit leading you to do because, because you've had so many setbacks, but yet you, mm. but yet there is hope. And so mm. what is the spirit? What hope is the spirit giving you? Well, so, so, so a few things here. Uh, he very plainly has, has led me to a place where I feel like just because the door is hard to open, just because you have to use C4 and blow it open, or just <laughs> because you can't get through that door and you have to burrow underneath it. I think I told you this before in, in a time we talked, doesn't mean it's not the right door. We mm -hmm. think that if it's the right door, if God sent us a door to walk through, we're just going to be able to turn the handle and walk right through. That's not always the case. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you are banging at that door for years and it's been the right door the whole way along, but you got to keep banging for the whole 10 years. 
Mm. And sometimes the path that you're supposed to be on is laced with the ultimate heartbreak every around every corner. And so we miss these things a lot of times in the Christian walk because we associate the right thing being something that means comfort or goodness in our eyes or the right thing that means that we're, you know, something good is coming out of it that we think is good. But with God, it's often the exact opposite because his intention isn't just for the momentary good. It's for the eternal soul good. It's the soul building character that God is interested in. And that's what he wants us to be interested in. And when we get our priorities in line, then that's when we can have the physical blessing and not have the physical blessing take away from our relationship with him. And Mm -hmm. so I have always felt like this is exactly where we're supposed to be. Do I anticipate another healthy child that doesn't die? Honestly, yes, I do. Do I know that's going to happen? No, I don't. Do I hope against all hope that I don't have to preach the message of praising God through pain? I do hope that. But I just feel like just because it's hard doesn't mean it's not where you're supposed to be. You are not an old woman. I don't know if you want to share your age or not, but you're a young woman. I'm 36. With, with, some, <laughs> with, with a level of wisdom that is blowing me away, you know, for your age. And I'm not saying that being 36 is too young to find wisdom, but just, but this level of wisdom is kind of mind blowing. Where does it come from? It's just God. It's just God. I, I am a, you know, I'm, I'm a, a miserable sinner like everybody else. And I know everybody says that everybody says that when they're complimented, but I have really, really struggled with self-image. I've really, really struggled with shame. I've really, really struggled with um, being overweight and feeling uneducated and having, you know, always only having the hard story when everyone else was at, you know, being successful and going to college. I've So when I say that, that the good in me is God, that is from the very bottom of my heart. My, my love, my, my pursuit is, is Jesus. And I believe that with whatever we have to give him, he will, he will bless that. And and so any wisdom that I have is just, just his great mercy. Hmm. And we've talked a lot in the last few minutes about prayer, about Mm -hmm. talking to God. Yeah. And many people call that prayer. Yes. Um, so a lot of people, I think, find it difficult to pray. I know I used to, out mm-hmm. loud, difficult to pray. Um, and I think that's because there wasn't a truly personal relationship. Can can we spend a few minutes talking about how prayer can really be truly personal? Yeah. And do you have any, any examples to share? Now, yes, I, know I, you, I know you've talked about the time when he talked to you, you know, when you were trying to end your life. Yes. And it, but, you know, and I, I'm not quite sure if you would call that prayer or not. And maybe you would. But um, what do you think? To me, I think prayer is any form of communication that you have with God. I don't believe that. And let me clarify. I mean, I don't believe that it has to be something where it's only this 
I'm, I'm in my prayer closet. I'm intentionally praying. There's no distractions. I think what we want to get more towards, in my opinion, as believers, something is that's more natural. I think mm-hmm. when it's only prayer closet praying or it's only Sunday praying or the certain time praying, it's always this thing that's scheduled. And if it's scheduled, it's never going to be quite a part of you. It's always something that you're putting into who you are versus having it be a part of who you are. Mm-hmm. And so for me, praying is just this constant dialogue all day long, back and forth with God. Now, you don't have to do it all day long. That's not what I'm saying. But for me, it's just this level of like, when I, for instance, if I get in a fight with my husband, and I am feeling very angry, I will instead of calling my mom, or ranting about it to myself, I will talk to the Lord about it. I will say, I'm feeling so frustrated, blah, blah, blah. Can you please help me? Can you please blah, blah, blah. And over the course of doing that, just from simply involving God in my life, if you're at the store and you want to buy a shirt and, you know, you're feeling like, well, I just don't have the, you know, talk to God about it. You will sense a peace in your spirit. Like, go ahead and get that shirt. You need it. You deserve it. Or you can stand this. Walk away. It's just, we think of God as somebody so big and far off when really he is big. He is everywhere. He's so powerful, but he's also personal. That's the beautiful thing about God. And so when you talk to him, he is waiting to be a part of that everyday intimacy. And I know a lot of believers would disagree with the fact that God speaks. My personal belief is that no one can box God in. And if you are a person that believes that God does not speak today on an intimate level, then yes, you're never going to hear him speak. So that will then um, make that thing that you believe more stronger and more powerful in your life. But I am a person that believes God is the only thing that can ever say what he will or will not do. And that Mm. the more that we open ourselves up to the power and majesty of who God is, to the miracle working that he does, the more that we're going to see that lived out in our life. Mm, That's beautiful. I imagine you have probably more than one, but a favorite scripture verse. (laughs) Um, What's yours and how does it relate to the season that you are, that you perhaps walked through or are walking through? Probably one that speaks to me right now is don't despise the humble beginnings. The Lord has just spoken to me that humility and the beginnings that come in humility are just like they said, not to be despised. Don't feel bad because you don't have a lot of money or the perfect this or that. Like it's just this, like the Lord envelops you in what he thinks of you. Mm-hmm. And what he thinks of you is enough to lift the lowest head. And so it's just been this feeling that my God's got my back. So that's Zech- that's Zechariah chapter four, verse 10. Yes. Yes, yes. Uh, the New Living Translation says, do not despise these small beginnings for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin, to see the plumb line in Zerubbabel's hand. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. 
little things matter to God. Little people matter to God. Little people matter to God. That's lovely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, gosh, I mean, I have so many questions for you, but your experiences are, are so deep and so rich. Um, when has God used your unique gifts to love someone? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, okay. So we, one, one summer day I was picking up the kids from youth group. This was a few years ago when neither of them could drive and we were driving home and we pass on the way to get to our house um, from that church we were going to at the time, uh, kind of a lower income street with some houses that are in a little bit of disrepair. And out there was a woman. Uh, she looked to be middle-aged and she was really, really struggling with her lawn. It was very tall and it, the grass was wet. And I don't know what in my mind I know it's the Lord. I just don't know what started it, but it was just this, this such a strong sense of we need to pull in there. And I asked my son, I said, Adam, would you mow her yard? I, I, you know, I know this is a lot, but would you mow her yard? And he absolutely said, yes, mom, I will do that. So we pulled into her driveway and I got out of the car and it was kind of that awkward moment of, of trying to talk to like, you know, it's like, what do you want? And so it was going up and just introducing myself and just said, can we mow your yard? And like, she was like, girl, I don't have any money to pay you. And I was like, I don't, I don't want any money. I just want to, just want to mow your yard. And so when we finally got like that, I really wasn't wanting anything right. and I wasn't wanting to drag her to church and I wasn't <laughs> wanting to give her a packet but just that I wanted to mow her yard, she told me that she was actually suffering greatly because her husband had just committed suicide. Mm. And just this whole story of pain. And we were just hugging there. I mean, all the cars were flying by like, what in the world is going on there? And my son was mowing her yard, trying to figure out what was going on. And it was just a time where I could minister to her, not preach to her, but just tell her I understand how hard it was and to hug her. And we stood there in the heat, crying together, hugging each other. And I asked her if I could pray for her. And she said yes. And I just left wondering if maybe she was on the edge. And maybe the Lord was looking out for her and maybe not because I'm special, not because I'm super kind and loving, but because I was listening. Maybe there was something and she could hold on and then maybe somebody else came in and helped. I don't know, but that's something that stands out to me. Is that an example of joy? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. I was so just praising the Lord after just the opportunity to put yourself in somebody else's shoes and love them. I mean, isn't that what we really all want? Yeah. Yeah. Just to know that it's okay. It's okay to be you, that you don't have to clean up. You don't have to stop getting snot all over. You just, you just can be, you can just be and you're okay. And it's, it's okay. 
Wow. Connie, this has been really, really amazing. Uh, thank you so much for sharing uh, your life with us. And I'd like to know what's next for you. What's next for you and your husband? What's next with the podcast? Just what's next in your life? Well, uh, we are just still trying to conceive. We hope to have another child. Um, I am just on the podcast end of things. I'm just going to keep doing that prayerfully every week on Friday. And then I'm hoping possibly that maybe there's a, a retreat coming up in my future to speak at. Um, that's Those are my goals. My goals are to be a, a good wife and mother and Christ follower and then to find the pathway that he has for me to start sharing more um, with other people, um, whoever wants to listen about the God that I know. Hmm. Amen. And thank you so much, Connie. Thanks for being thank here. Thank you so much for having me, Yvette. It has been a true honor to meet you and to get to know you. It, it, it just really has. I'm so thankful for you and your show. Thank you. The honor is mine and we appreciate you. Thank you. If you or someone you care about has lost a child to stillbirth, miscarriage, SIDS, or any cause at any point during pregnancy or infancy, please join us in raising awareness this October for Pregnancy and Infant Loss Awareness Month.